Well, we're back and we're almost done with the year and we have a special guest. Yay. Uh, yay. We have Julie Vera here, who is an internet researcher, which is always super cool. Um, Julie, do you want to give a little bit of a, a background on your illustrious past? Yeah, internet researcher sounds so um, trivial, but <laughs> I promise I research real things. Um, so yeah, quick intro to me, um, I'm Julie. I'm a PhD student at the University of Washington in the Human Centered Design and Engineering Program. And I study people doing things on the internet, study online communities, um, moderation, trust and safety issues. Um, TikTok right now is a big thing that I am um, interested in because I think it's changing uh, the social media landscape. And we'll talk about that later. And I've been studying people doing stuff on the internet for my entire career. So um, I love having conversations like this. I think um, predictions and kind of seeing how the internet is going to shape up over the next year or so is, is just always a really interesting conversation to have. So I'm happy to be here and thank you for having me on. And I'm excited to talk about the future. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. We love having you on. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm excited to have Julie on. Um, Julie is actually my wife, believe it or not. She somehow stooped as low as to, to, to marry me, a, a podcast host. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so uh, that's really cool. Uh, I think I like to tell people that you study people being assholes on the internet, which I guess is like 90% of the internet is people being assholes, it's which true. I will say that right now, your industry is booming. It's a great time to be an internet researcher. Let me tell you, there is so much going on in the world right now. And um, by the way, I, I agree. I think the internet temperature right now is is very cold. And I think that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of TikToks recently where people are like, well, it's Christmas time. We should be like happy and enjoying time with our families. And it's very much the opposite right now. So I, again, I'm really excited to have this conversation because I think you all are saying the things that everyone else is saying. So we're all we're all in this together. Oh, yes, we are mm -hmm. all in this this cold, dark future together. This Great. never ending Black Mirror episode. <laughs> oh no yeah i feel it i feel it well on that note i'm Raimi. that's robbie and that's julie and this is i would never know a podcast So we've got Julie in the cut, we've got Raimi, and obviously you know me, Robbie. Uh, and so I think like just to like totally start out, this is our first annual predictions uh, episode. So this will be our last episodes of the year, woo. And uh, I figured we would, you know, end it with predicting. Sorry, end it with predicting what's going to happen in 2023. So. 
I know, Julie, you spend a lot of time um, thinking about people and on the internet, but you like to make predictions. Uh, I know this year, your predictions for this year were... I, I The only one that I really remember is that you predicted that Aaron Carter was going to die, which was like so out of left field and actually like you came in screaming to me like, I knew it! I knew it! It was on my card! It was on my bingo card! And I was like, what are you talking about? And then you showed me Aaron Carter's obituary and I was like, you are way too excited right now. Um, but what's talk to me what are you thinking for 2023 the Aaron carter thing was so like i just felt about and to be clear like we we don't love that aaron carter is dead okay like we don't love this like it was very tragic the whole thing was not good um but i felt so sure about that prediction because i had been seeing these random stories pop up on social media on reddit wherever that kind of kind of like indirectly said, like, you know, he's kind of like not doing well right now, like really without a lot of detail. And I was just putting the pieces together. I'm like, you know, something's going to happen this year. And I don't know, it's this weird sort of pattern spotting thing I have. And I was like, you know, I'm going to add this to my bingo card. We'll see what happens. And sure enough, um, the, it, it's not good. Um, I hope that nothing on my bingo card happens this next year. But I think for me... Oh, no. <laughs> That's a dark lead-in. Yeah, what is on your bingo card? I, I will... What? One thing on my bingo card. Like, I can't, I can't put the queen on my bingo card anymore, right? Like, that's, that's done. That was a huge thing that <laughs> I've had for years. For, like, the last three years, I think. Um, but this year, I think... I think that we are seeing the beginning of a huge economic downturn. That's what I get from everything that I'm reading out on the internet. That's the feeling that I'm getting from people is this sort of societal collapse, for lack of a better term. Um, And uh, yeah, I I hope it doesn't come true, but I I really feel like we are going to see like a stock market like big time which is not good for anyone okay i agree but that's it that's my my bingo spot that i think will be bingoed this year um okay who has something happy to share (laughs) maybe some happy things to share is um okay so i think Elon Musk will lose control of Twitter. It's not rescuable, right? Interesting. Not a good situation where Twitter is going to come back and like be healthy and alive. But I think he will lose control over Twitter. And I think Twitter will be sold by the end of 2023. Not back to Ooh. Jack. Ooh. Um, that's my first point. Let's Let's segue then into... Um, the first part of what we prepared, which is our predictions for the tech industry of 2023. So, Ramy, do you want to go first? What's on your list? Yeah, I mean, Julie said my first point. So clearly I am on the right track here because, well, mine was very specifically, it's sort of, yeah, mine was pretty specific in that I think that the government 
in particular is going to come for Twitter and then Elon Musk is going to sell it. So it's a two parter. That's my two part prediction. That's the first one. And I feel like it's been verified by the Internet researcher. So I feel pretty good about it now. I like that. I like that. Julia's a litmus test. Um, Cool. Well, to to move aside from Twitter a little bit, um, one of my theories that I've had uh, is that industry wide, I think health tech is really going to have its moment this year. Um, and one of the reasons that I think that is, well, a couple reasons. Number one, looking at hiring trends, the companies that I see that are really actively and have actively been hiring are health technology companies. Andreessen Horowitz really ramped up its investment in health technology companies about two years ago, which, you know, anything that Andreessen Horowitz does kind of signals a trend to the industry. And the other thing is having worked in health tech, it's a slow moving industry where you come up with an idea, you put something together and then you have to do clinical trials that can last anywhere from six to 24 or even more months. Um, And so I think a lot of those clinical trials are going to be kind of coming to an end and we're going to see that a lot of health technology companies are actually getting validation on what they're doing coupled with, obviously we're all with COVID and now the triple demic of RSV MERS and COVID. I think uh, obviously people are a lot more interested in moving forward the health situation and so i think personal health especially um you know being able to like document your symptoms and kind of uh get to an idea of what might you know for people who are chasing um diagnoses because obviously there's a there's a doctor short shortage in a sense where it's really hard to get in with doctors i think people are going to be able to get much better uh diagnoses without having to go and sit in a doctor's office and and get all these you know in-person tests run obviously not a conclusive diagnosis but at least kind of whittle it down a little bit so yeah that's my thing i think i think health tech is going to be really hot this year so anybody who's on the job market i would totally be looking at to health technology julie you were like nodding along to all of that do you have any like other information to add (laughs) i feel like i'm just like constantly reading stuff on the internet so i don't know um Good. That's your job. <laughs> that's literally my job. <laughs> um, I think the health tech thing is interesting because obviously we've seen a huge shift during COVID. Like there's there's this one, I guess, move towards telehealth, right? And there's been another move by um, people on the front lines, like nurses especially, people who staff the front desk at the ER that have just had enough people's shit that they've moved out of healthcare entirely. So I think what we're going to see in health tech in particular for patient facing kind of communication is, is telehealth this year. I think that's going to explode. Um, I think that the, where we're at with AI chat, chat bots, Oh my God, no, that's mine. Julie, stop, top, stop it. That <laughs> this is was your fault, Raymond. You asked her. No, that I literally have it written down. The chat bot that open, open AI made. Um, I'm so glad we're on the same page. But I'm like, I wish I had said it first though, because now it seems <laughs> like. <laughs> No, it seems like I'm like copying the like PhD researcher. Like, no. 
Okay, go ahead. I like, again, like where I think maybe here, this podcast, we're pattern spotters and this is what we're good at. And this is why we're talking about this stuff. But I really do feel like the telehealth plus chatbots, and I'm not even going to call them like AI chatbots, right? But just chatbots in general are going to revolutionize like the healthcare that you would get at like an urgent care center, right? You're going in for like a, you know, like a UTI, for example, and you can chatbot your way into a prescription for like an antibiotic. That's huge, right? You never even have to talk to a person technically. So that that frees up like healthcare resources, right? Like now we can put people on the front lines closer to the patients that need them the most, right? People who come into the ER after like car accidents, whatever, heart attacks, that sort of thing. Like people who need immediate care. So I think this is huge. I think that's, again, like a really good use of chatbot technology. But there's obviously a lot of problems with it though, right? There's tons of, I mean, we could go on forever, right? There, there's problems. But yeah, health tech exploding next year um, in so many different ways. Okay. I'm going to say all of mine now because <laughs> because no we need to well no, why don't we do this why don't you and i mine, just go back and forth have to do with ai also at okay. this point all my other three are all ai related oh my god i think julie's were like mostly ai too so you guys are just going to be like playing tennis volleying back and forth let's do it okay so i think julie julie's was a lot more specific in terms of health tech with chatbots because i was just like this chatbot thing is real like companies are really gonna like take this and run and i didn't have like a like an idea of necessarily how they were going to do that per se but Mm. i mean obviously um the like chat gpt or whatever that's like truly all over the internet right now and i guess i don't know maybe julie you can explain this more than Can i can oh what can I comment on that actually? Oh, yeah. So I worked at one of the early really big chatbot companies and I was so excited because this I was going in as somebody with like a decent amount of machine learning and artificial intelligence background and I got there and I was like, yeah, and then I opened the door and I saw there was nothing, no artificial intelligence, no machine learning and any attempts to introduce it in any way was completely shot down and i was like what are you doing (laughs) what the fuck are you doing um and i won't go deeper into that but basically my thoughts are this chat gpt super cool definitely moving us forward my god if you're gonna take another one of mine i'm so sorry i no 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 no. i won't i won't i won't i promise i won't i promise i won't okay i'm gonna focus on this the idea of like chat like corporate chatbots using chat gpt right the downside to all of this is that chat gpt is is trained on publicly available data so you would have to go and take chat gpt and train it on your information whether that's your medical proprietary information or you know if you're like i don't fucking know if you're like comcast right and you need to train it on like how to troubleshoot your router and things that, you know, your, your corporate training and all that stuff. Um, 
that integration point is a bit of a, I think it's going to be something that is going to take a while for people to really figure out and wrap their heads around. Um, but so I don't really think, I don't know. I've always been very like negative and pessimistic when it comes to chatbots, just because I okay. don't think that like corporate companies really understand how to do these integrations correctly. So this is where I'm going to slide in my, one of my predictions, which is, um, the scam industry is going to hop on the AI mm. chatbot train. There, people mm-hmm. are going to be out here. Like, what's his name, dude, who had like a weird compound call in like an island somewhere and was selling like I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about. He has a three-letter name: JBT, TBJ. Oh, 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 oh! You're talking about um Sam Bankman Freed. Yeah, Sam Bankman Freed. Oh my god, like, Junior. So Part two is going to be out here playing Call of Duty and pitching um, ah. and pitching. Oh, you know what? I'm actually a genius and I've created my own chatbot and outsourcing it to like real people or the chatbot oh, sure. is never going to exist. Or so that's that is um, prediction number. Well, well, actually, technically on my list, it's number four, but I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> I think that's totally valid. I think that's actually what's been happening, though. One thing that I noticed was I was um, talking to, I was on a chat bot type thing, but I was ta- I was supposedly talking to a human being and I believe that I was, it was like DoorDash or whatever. And I noticed that all of their messages were perfectly spelled, perfectly capitalized, perfectly punctuated. And I noticed that two of the messages were exactly the same. And so I, but there were also points in time where he was like, or they were very clearly typing to me. So what I think is happening is that largely they've been training these chatbots by having the chatbots recommend responses, just like we have on our phones, right? Where it recommends things to say, or you can type your own thing in and that's how they've been learning. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think that um, I agree with you. And I, I actually, you just brought up one of mine, which is that um, AI is just going to be really, really bad for the, um, the class gap in the U S for quite a while. Uh, and one of the reasons that I think this is even Julie brought this up to me about how like people are using chatbots to like negotiate their cable bills and things like that. Um, the people who have access to these chatbots and the better chatbots are going to the, be the people with more money, more power, and they're going to be able to leverage those chatbots to have more money, more power. And so it's going to make it even harder for people without means to get by because they're going to have to continue to doing like spend their time uh, and energy really like, you know, fighting for themselves. I saw recently somebody on, I think it was on the bird app. I'm not sure what was said like, Hey, if anybody has a speeding, uh, violation that they're going to go to court to fight, let me know because right now they're doing a lot of these court things via zoom. He's like, I trained a model that is going to listen to what's happening on your zoom call. And will like, basically give you prompts on what to say to effectively fight your speeding fine. And I want to like test this out with you. And so we're literally going to have AI lawyers that are going to like know exactly how to get you out of things. But as we all know, with the justice system, the people who get out of them are the people who have the money and the power and not, you know, the people from lower classes and middle classes. Right. If they're still a middle class, even. Can you imagine being like 
freshly like out of high school, you're working your Taco Bell job, right? But in order to get ahead and in order to fight like a speeding ticket you got, you need to be able to train your AI model in such a way. They don't teach this stuff in high school, right? Like you have to have spare time in order to teach yourself how to code, how to train these models. Like you are at a significant disadvantage. Wait, that's one of my predictions though, is that high schools are going to really advance their STEM training across the board. I really do think that they totally disagree. Well, no, but I, but my, my thought is that it's not going to be high schools that are doing it. It's going to be third parties. It's going to be companies that are, that Mm. are targeting high schoolers and, you know, selling to high schools, but they're going to start selling to the school districts. Uh, they're, they're like, I don't know, after school program or. Yeah. That's where the socioeconomic gap really comes in. Okay. So Um, what else do you have? Uh, can I right, train about the? Oh, I've got other. Come on, come on. I've got, I've got something ready to go off of what you were talking about about the models. Go, go, go. Because, um, my thing is lawsuits. I expect Ooh. us to see some lawsuits, or at least some the beginning of some laws being made around training AI models in specifically in terms of copyright. So when I specifically think about it, I'm thinking about the art AIs that have been making their way around the internet. So those are AIs that are trained off of different people's art. And then they make art that's similar to the artist's art. And technically Mm -hmm. it's not infringing on copyright, but it's really pissing off the artists. Um, It is really pissing people off. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other one actually is, oh gosh, GitHub Copilot. Is that what it's called? Where it's oh, like, like the generative code. Yeah, where you're generating code and you mm-hmm. can technically be like, I'm going to type in, like, I want a function, I want a piece of code that does this thing. And then it will potentially, like, what it says, it will generate it for you, but it's got to be trained off of something. And I'm like, what is going on there? So I'm just talking about like the potential for a lawsuits, depending on if it's oh, trained yeah. off of model, like what model is it trained off of? Because like code is still can still be like copyrighted or people can get angry that you're using I mean, something on their code. I mean, I'm just saying I'll give GitHub credit. Like they are the world's largest repository of, of open source code. So like, I'm sure they're just training it on, code that is properly licensed but i see what you're saying like they could be training they're also they also house all of our proprietary code so they could be like yep yeah i wonder Ooh, man time all to go right. look at the, the the terms and conditions that we totally read when we signed up for that Yeah. so that goes right back to what Remy was saying about like the intellectual property and some of the issues around copyright when it comes to this stuff like i think we're entering this again 2023 is going to be a whole new phase of everything like we have Come out of, and I'm not even going to say like come out of technically because we haven't, but come out of this pandemic like totally beaten up and we don't know what's going on. And we've developed all these technologies while in in quote unquote lockdown, right? We have no idea what to do with all of them. And 2023 is just going to like be, we're going to see this rush of like, crap, we created all this stuff. Now, how do we deal with it? We're thinking of dealing with it after the fact we've created these AI tools, 
kind of like open to the public, right? So Congress doesn't understand what the heck we're talking about. So I expect to see some shitty legislation around stuff that we're talking about here. I don't expect them to understand. I think it's going to be terrible. Oh my God. Do you guys remember when Zuckerberg was on trial and that one old dude was like, what are you going to do about Finsta? Did he say Finsta? Do you remember this? Yeah. He's like, he was talking about Finstagram as if it was a feature of Instagram. Like he didn't know what Finsta was. And like, oh my God, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Will you commit to ending Finsta? Senator, uh, again, let me explain. We don't actually, we don't actually do do Finsta. So, uh, I wonder what our Finstagram like. Are you going to turn? What are you going to do about Finsta? Moment is going to be of twenty twenty three. There's going to be some sort of hilarious lawsuit. I think it's obviously going to be about Twitter, uh, and there's going to be some hilarious oh yeah sound bites and me. The memification of that lawsuit will be enjoyable. Um, Ramy, you kind of were hinting at generative code. This actually points to one of my predictions. That I hate, um, but front end positions, and this has kind of been happening now, will all but disappear. Um, I think right now, if you go and look at job postings, you don't see front end anywhere. You see full stack, you see back end, you see specialized things like UX engineers, which are people who need to have the UX background as well as the ability to build UIs. But just being like a front end specialist. I think is disappearing. And I think in large part, it's because um, of another one of my predictions that's related, which is that teams are going to have to learn how to do more with less as we see a lot of like thinning of um, the ranks in, in, in the industry, in software teams, especially because software teams, you know, have been bloated uh, across, uh, you know, across a lot of the big companies, but in general, obviously layoffs are, are rep- replicative, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But um, I also think though, to talk about generative code, people are really starting to embrace these um, these technologies that allow designers to design a front end, and it will generate the code that will implement that front end, that UI, and therefore having um, somebody whose entire job is just pixel pushing, you know, is just like doing a pixel perfect replication of what that design looks like, which is still complicated because you have to do it for different screen sizes, different browsers, etc. And different like interactions but i think that's becoming more of a function of someone's job rather than the entire job and so i think that's going to be really interesting especially because i know a lot of boot camps that have been churning people out especially during the pandemic who are entirely focused on front end and so i'm not sure what my prediction for what those people are going to be doing is necessarily but that like you know if you see yourself in a front end position and you're looking for a new job in 2023 i think it's gonna be really hard to just find a front end job you're you know you're it's really going to be a full stack type of role that you're going to need to look for or add another specialty to your tool set. I also had rise of low code or no code tooling in, in my predictions for 2023. I've, I've been seeing the same thing. And so in human-centered design and engineering, which is design-oriented, right? At the end of the day, we want to design better futures. Um, we see a lot of this. And so we teach things like Figma. Um, we teach things like design systems and how to construct them. And I think what I've been seeing also is a lot, a, cert- a lack of roles definitely on the front end side of things, but also um, more push to develop um, 
really pixel perfect design so that you can just pass it off to a developer and they'll take care of it. And where, where are those developers though? Um, that's the question. Secondly, I've seen a lot of prototypes lately and you can see these on YouTube um, where someone will literally design something on a digital whiteboard, maybe in Figma, maybe not. And then immediately be able to translate that design to code like to HTML and CSS. It's not pretty, right? It's not perfect. It's just a prototype. But the speed and um, the speed at which it did that, was able to do that, and how non-shitty the code was, was very surprising to me. So the combination of all of these things, sort of like a lack of front-end jobs, um, this push for design to really be pixel perfect, and Figma kind of pushing these... Um, features that allow designers to design a lot very quickly, plus these prototypes I'm seeing coming out, I think we have a perfect storm here. Sounds like a perfect storm for a less fun internet, to be honest. Lots of things that are just kind of going back to the bootstrap era where everything just looked the same. Yeah. I mean, I thought about putting that sort of no code situation on my list. And then I was like, that's too depressing. I'm not going to put it. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to put that into the world, but you know what? Fair enough. I've been seeing it too, but I also don't know if it's 2023. I'm giving it 2024 personally. Well, speaking of people losing their jobs, cause that's just seems, I feel like I'm the grim reaper here right now. Mm. Um, so we, we, we've talked a lot about doing like an episode or a set of episodes based on like recruiters and like talking about what recruiters do and everything. And I remember one time when I worked like the first time that I worked for like a big tech company, not big, like massive, but like, you know, pretty decently sized tech company in the, in the Valley. I was like, so you've got recruiters, right? But then the recruiters have, there's so many of them. And I'm like, why are there so many recruiters? And like, well, some of them are sourcers who literally their job is just to find people. And then there's schedulers. There's people whose entire job is just to schedule meetings and schedule interviews. Also, like one of the sourcers at this company, his name was Harry, and I felt so bad for him. So I'm like, you're just begging for bad Harry Potter jokes. Like, because like sorcerer sounds like sorcerer. Like, it's just, I don't know. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I got some blank stares. Jordan isn't here for you to laugh at your Yeah, jokes. Jordan, we miss yeah, you. Oh, but the problem is that if Jordan's here, then. <laughs> then no one's listening to the podcast. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so I do think that largely, and recruitment is hard. It really is. But I do think there's a lot of manual aspects of it. And that in large part, that recruitment is, there's going to be a move to remove um, a lot of positions there and replace them with artificial intelligence. Um, oh, yeah. Which oh, see is icky to me. Because... Artificial intelligence, of course, as we know, AI models is very difficult to keep them unbiased. I mean, they're literally biased by nature. Um, and one thing that I like about human um, humans sourcing and humans you know, doing all the recruitment is that they can say, I'm going to take this person whose resume does not look perfect, but this is somebody from an underrepresented group. This is somebody who has a really interesting, just interesting background or like, you know, how do you how do you encode taking risks on people into your AI? Can we just talk about since we're talking about AI so much? Can we just talk about AI and models and how to train AI just really quickly? Just 
for people who maybe just don't know and don't understand like why that might be an issue. Um, So like when you are creating an artificial intelligence situation, bot, whatever algorithm um, you need to have some sort of set of data to like train the algorithm off of train the bot off of. So that's like, you need to give training data to the artificial intelligence in order to make it intelligent. So the example that um, I've heard used a lot is um, training artificial intelligence to tell who, like if a criminal is going to reoffend, right. And then not letting them out if they are statistically high, more highly likely to reoffend. So you use data from like past judicial cases to train the artificial intelligence model off of it. And so the data, you know, you may have data that says a lot of the times the people that reoffend are black, brown, and in poverty, something like that. And so then the art, your artificial intelligence is literally biased based off of racism um, and socioeconomic like class. Like you've just built something that is biased off of data like that. Because as Robbie said, it's not looking at the whole situation. It's not looking at the whole person. It's just looking at like data and numbers. Yeah. I mean, we, in, in data science, we call that garbage in, garbage out. Meaning like if you train your al- algorithm using garbage data, in this case, the outcomes of judicial court cases, which we all know are inherently biased, the judicial system is not exactly uh, a good barometer for whether or not somebody is likely to offend or has offended even, um, then your your predictions are going to be complete garbage. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And likewise, I mean, if you are hiring recruiters who... I mean, if, if you have recruiters right now in the industry, which there are plenty of recruiters in the industry who are completely biased, who are going to in, either in, inherently just racist, classist, homophobic, sexist, whatever, or people who just have subconscious, unconscious biases, that is going to get encoded in the trends that we use to train these algorithms. So um, going back to what we said before about AI, just like really broadening the gap, the more we allow, I mean, AI just means... Artificial intelligence is allowing a computer to make a decision that was previously made by a human being. And so if we don't, if we're not really judicious about how we train the computer to make those decisions, then yeah, we're just going to have uh, the same white cis male (laughs) coders doing white cis male coder things. I'm tired. I know. So I just wanted to, sorry, I just wanted to like, be clear on like what we're talking about because this podcast isn't necessarily for people who like know exactly what like a data model is and training artificial intelligence. Um, But anyway, yeah. Does anyone have any other predictions? I actually got mine all out because I didn't, I want to say it before Julie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I actually, yeah. I mean, kind of moving away from AI a bit and just really focusing on the industry. Like, you know, earlier I said that health tech will have its moment. And so I think, um, I have a prediction about VC money, which has been like, you know, focusing on VC investments has been a really 
big part of my life lately um, with all the companies that I'm involved with. Um, my prediction is that VC money is going to be very focused and very specialized. So what I mean by that is that like um, instead of having these like big funds that are just throwing money everywhere at any company that looks interesting or promising, it's going to be very focused funds. So if like people who have, you know, had success with health technology companies are going to focus on only investing in, in health technology companies. And so individual funds will not be diversified. I'm sure like, you know, your general catalysts and your, you know, all these big, um, you know, YC type funds are going to have different arms and injuries and Horowitz. Like they have a bio fund, they have a, a you know, uh, they have all these different funds that are going to be, you know, education tech focus on these things, but the smaller funds, the ones that like are not just massive global powers, they're going to stay very, very focused on what they have the expertise on. Um, and so we're going to see, um, you know, I think what that means though, is that entrepreneurs are going to have to pitch a lot of different funds to get their money. I mean, right now, <laughs> entrepreneurs are having a very difficult time securing funding. That's just the long and short of it. Um, and so I think in 2023, that's not going to end necessarily. I mean, I don't want to get into geopolitical, blah, blah, blah. I think like, I'm just hoping that this war in Ukraine ends because even like, I just see a lot of trickle down effects on the economic situation because of the war in Ukraine. Obviously we also want the war to end because war is stupid and Putin is stupid. Uh, and that's a, political stance i think we can all agree on on this podcast uh but um i think yeah getting these investments it's going to be very much like you're the retail tech investor fund you're the whatever specialization you are what does that mean for like brand new novel solutions that don't really fit into any of those i don't think there's going to be a lot of money for that and i think that's going to kind of be hampering um you know some of the really cool technology that we could have been seeing um and it's going to be really focused on again, like things that we need necessarily. So, like again, health tech, etc. Unfortunately, I think education technology is going to continue to suffer as it kind of always has. Um, and uh, I don't think that's always like this. I'm I'm sounding really like negative, and in, in many ways it kind of is negative. But I do think that like on the flip side, on the positive, that means that like you know we're going to see people coming together who have seen difficulties. So, for example. There are a lot of really great funds out there that are entirely focused on women and non-male entrepreneurs, you know, which again, um, there was actually a measurable effect after um, Theranos that women were not getting VC money. And so I think, um, you know, we're going to see a correction there, hopefully. Um, and in general, we're going to be seeing like, uh, I know there's a group um, called Coalition Operators. Um, the I, I, I've worked with the the co-founder of of Coalition Operators, Ashley Mayer, both at um, Box and Glossier, uh, and so she like created this fund with her co-founders, all of whom have different expertises, just because they're all women though, and they've been operators in these industries. So, and I think we're also going to see people of color. We're going to see people from non-technical or you know different class backgrounds coming together and saying, Hey, we have something shared. Um, I'm really interested in seeing uh, a bunch of queer funds pop up to be like, Hey, you know, 
we want queer and you know non-binary on non-binary <laughs> queer and non-binary entrepreneurs to be able to actually get the funding that they probably wouldn't get because they walk into a room full of like cis white men and cis white women and they're just like we don't know what to do with you with your like pink hair and your you know pronouns and all that jazz um so i don't know i think yeah. there's gonna be plus, pluses and minuses there i think that yeah i think that i mean we can all agree that 2023 is probably going to be a be a tough time for a lot of people um i actually left a lot of stuff off my list because i feel like out of 2023 2024 fingers crossed might be um like the result of 2023 we might see some better things come out of it for instance what i left off my list was the unionization of the tech industry because I don't think it's going to happen in next year. I think it's going to happen the year after because we're going to see the use of AI. We're going to see the um, we're going to see the generative code. Yes. Um, and it's finally going to spur people in tech to unionize in the way that even like and we've been seeing these layoffs, right, which um, are making people scared, but not angry enough to unionize if that makes sense um because this is a weird analogy but i've been thinking about it like okay are we like are we always going to have like how secure are our jobs right in terms of um <laughs> i've been thinking about it as like a barrel maker okay Everybody needed a barrel maker back in like back in the day before um, the Industrial Revolution. Right. And maybe like not maybe it's like, okay, like we have like a lull in the amount of barrels we need this or that. Right. But like that's not necessarily to say that you don't we're all that people were like, we're always going to need a barrel maker until the industrial revolution happened, which is how I'm thinking of 2023 for coders, because then suddenly there's no such thing as a barrel maker anymore. It's just like machines. And I know that was out of pocket and sounding crazy, no, but that's that. how I'm thinking about it in terms of like, Oh wait, this isn't something that we just need to weather and get through. Like they are about to fully replace us in some kind of way and what do we do about that um which makes it different from potentially like other tech bubbles i think you're onto something with that but at the end of the day like the master barrel makers right the people who really really knew that craft they're still needed because a there's always going to be a bespoke barrel industry there's always going to be like you know glenn whatever is going to the you know is going to be like yeah 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 we've got all of our like you know $80 bottles of scotch but like this $250 bottle of scotch was in a handmade barrel you know like so there's going to be oh, and, and also who's yeah. going to who's going to to watch those machines and to train those machines and to like you know there's always going to be like the people who are like the the artisans of their craft and i think you're right i think honestly that's what we're seeing with the code industry and i i like that that as a good summary is that like if you're if you're an artisan of the craft, if you're a software architect, if this is like, you know, if you're a full stack, truly full stack, not just front and back end, but data layer security, blah, 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 blah. 
if you know the art inside now, yeah, you're fine. But how, what does that mean for people getting into the industry and how are they going to, you know, I think the, the salad days of like being able to walk out of a boot camp and make six figures is probably going to become less and less common. So that's my 2024 prediction. I have one more and I want to say it. Ooh, okay. Do it. Um, and that is that I think out of 2023, we're going to get the next set of fangs. And that's might mm. be a big one. But I like what you're talking about, about like the VC firms are going to be really tight with their money. And we're going to start hopefully seeing more queer founders, more um, founder, like underrepresented founders of color, so on and so forth, um, get some get some more, get a larger portion of that VC money. I think that the companies that are able to weather the coming storm are going to be the companies that are going to have a like chokehold on the tech industry for the next like 10 years, like Google did, like Facebook did. Um, and that's also used in as, ex- as an example um, of how to tell if a tech company is good, I believe, because like everyone always says, well, you know, Google made it through the like tech bubble burst. And that's like, they built themselves up during like these hard times. And that's how um, we know it's like a good, you know, we knew it was going to be like this major great company, yada, yada, yada. So that's my 20. Those are, those are two 2024 predictions. There you go. (laughs) Well, when we revisit the, uh, the 2023 predictions at the end of the year, we'll, we'll revisit those as well, I guess, and see if you've changed your mind. All right. Well, that wraps up part one. Um, See you next week for part two where we let julie loose on her predictions for the internet and then Remy and i just kind of like ooh and ah at her intelligence and we kind of throw in our 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 predictions as well bye good night night. may i be blunt with you if you'd like to write in with any questions you'd like to have answered topics you'd like covered or other general nonsense send Remy and i an email at i would never know pod at gmail.com thanks for listening until next time doing this again oh we're gonna do this again are you sure oh and then we're gonna do it again and 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 again we're going to hopefully start seeing oh my god just just talk through it just talk through it okay i'm sorry we're gonna hopefully start it's dinner time mom (laughs) can you feed sophie podcast mom did you feed sophie man